0: This evening's reading, uh, if you've got a Bible, it's on page 1044. It's Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13. So that's Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God.
1: Good evening. Good to see you this evening. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, there were many in the crowds who listened to you, but only a few who had ears to hear. And we pray that we might be amongst those few this evening, that you might be glorified in and through us. Amen. Take a look back, please, if you've got your Bible open to the beginning of the chapter, chapter 12 and verse 1, we have a crowd of many thousands gathered. I want you to picture the scene. Jesus is teaching a huge crowd, many thousands, a lot bigger than, than here this evening. A stadium, I don't know what, how many. And presumably, I'm somewhere, um, you know, towards the front of the crowd, presumably, there's a man, and he and his brother have been left some inheritance. Maybe it was some cash or a house or some land. The problem is that his brother is trying to pull a fast one. He isn't sharing the wealth. Now, would you put yourself in that man's shoes, the man who's, who spoke up, how do you feel about not getting the inheritance due to you? What do you do in that situation? What do you want from it? To this man... Verse 13, it matters a lot. And it would matter a lot to most people today to get what's due to them. But it doesn't much matter to Jesus. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? That's such a surprising response, because um, Jesus is not shy of claiming the authority of a judge. I mean, in the passage immediately before, maybe you were here last week, Jesus passed judgment on the hypocritical Pharisees, and he'd offered promises about how the final judgment of all people will go. And in Luke's second book, Acts, we're told that God has, quote, set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Jesus is the judge of the world. So why is he reticent to judge here? I think it's that Jesus, though he could arbitrate between these brothers, has no interest in doing so because He's far more interested in something far more important than whether or not they or we get what we're owed. Jesus is far more interested in the state of our hearts. Verse 15. Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. There are some warnings in life that we might ignore. Some are quite surprising. You know, it gives you cancer. Oh, never mind. <laughs> you know. But others, other warnings we take very seriously. Let's say you have chest pain or discomfort in the upper body or drooping or weakness down one side of your body or shortness of breath or a lump on your breast or blurred vision, or swelling in one or both legs. Those are some red flags that should not be ignored. And most of us would drop everything to attend to them. Jesus warns us about something, that if we see it in our lives, we ought to drop everything and attend to it. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. There are all kinds of greed, aren't there? We can't be greedy for money. We can also be greedy for good academic results. We can be greedy for our house or a bigger house. We can be greedy for more entertainment. We can be greedy for status with mates or colleagues or even churchgoers or in our families or on TikTok or Facebook. And we can be greedy for possessions. For those things that we just think will improve our lives. And of course, we can be greedy for food. Now, going after most of those things, think about the the swirling voices. Going after most of those things is seen by people as totally natural and normal. And in many cases, good. It's those things, of course, we're told, that give you security and satisfaction. It's those things that make you sorted. Yeah, pursue them. Be greedy for them. An article I read about uh, this week was about music and money. And it said that Mozart rarely penned a note without a net profit in view. He wrote to his father, Leopold, in 1781, Believe me, it is my full intention to make as much money as I can. For after your health, it's the best thing you can have in life. Never gonna to listen to Mozart again, or? in the same way, are we? Again. Jesus sees things differently. Jesus sees things rightly. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Why then must we watch out for greed in our lives? Why must we guard against it? What do you guard against in your life? What do you guard against? This is something we must guard against. Well, Jesus tells us a story about a man to help us see why uh, this, is, this is so uh, serious. Verse 16. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have... Plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. This man is a success, isn't he? He's done very well. It wasn't easy to get where he is. He's worked hard to get his 27 GCSEs and his 9A levels, and, and, and that starred first at Oxbridge. He, he worked hard at, 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 at his job for, for years, going up the ranks, but all the hard work has paid off, hasn't it? Now he's got a wife and children, uh, House with a giant flat-screen telly, a Porsche out the front, a swimming pool out the back. and There's also a villa in Spain, if only he could visit it. He thinks he'll uh, give it up, buy one more locally, if this thing carries on. There's just one thing left to do. He needs to make sure all he has is safe, and then he can retire. So he builds barns to store his grain. And that's that. They have a retirement party. He's hit the top, retired at 45. Now free and easy to travel the world and play lots of golf. And do you think the man was happy? I bet he was happier than he'd ever been. But not for long. Verse 20. God said to him, You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? So at his funeral... Plenty of wreaths are laid, the place is, is packed, there's weeping, there's lovely words, eulogies, contributions from, you know, his family members, who I oh, have such a great dad and, and a husband. From his boss, who was a super employee, always worked hard, always on time, you know, generous. Even uh, the, the vicar, because so he was a churchgoer, this man. But then amongst Number of the you know well-wishing cards. There was one that was picked up, opened. It said, "You're a fool, God." In God's eyes, you see, he's a total failure. Now we need to acknowledge how radical that is, don't we? Most people we know would say this man is a success. All around, we're told this is the dream. This is what success is. God says he's a total failure. Lots of people we watch and listen to are him or want to be him. Lots of people living up and down these streets are him or want to be him. Perhaps some of us in this room are him or want to be him. And yet God says he's a total failure. And if God says your life has been a total failure your life has been a total failure. And if he says that, you're in a desperate state. If this evening you were suddenly hit with shortness of breath and a heart attack were to kill you, and then you looked back on your life, would you say that your life was a success or a failure? I do not want God's verdict on my life to be fool. Do you want that for you? Well, believe me, you don't. So then, what were this man's mistakes? Let's put our finger on them. And just as with those, you know, kind of physical health red flags I mentioned, where these are in play, his mistakes, please, you know, we need to take urgent action. I think he made three schoolboy errors. The first is that he lived as if there's no God. This is the first. He lived as if there's no God. Take a look at verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. I, my No room for God, is there? He's saying, I am captain of my life, master of my life. He, indeed, played God. But suddenly there was God. Verse 20, God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself. Because there is a God who made us. Now we might say, my life is mine to do what I want with it. Jesus says, not true. The basic mistake in life is living as if God isn't there. There is a God. He made us. He gives us every breath we take. He hears every word we say. He knows every thought that we have. He sees every step that we take. In fact, think about this. Everything we have belongs to him. He's just given it to us to look after. But we might live as if there's no God. God. I remember mum and dad saying things like this to me. You sleep under our roof, you use our phone, you watch our telly, you eat our food, you don't even say hello. You're rightly upset. And multiply that a few a few times. And you get an idea for what it is to be God as you look down on people who treat you as if you're not there and as if everything you've given them exists for their convenience. The first make this mistake this man makes is this, he lived as if there's no God. Are you making that mistake? Do you know people who are? Now, the question isn't, do we tip our hat to God? Perhaps by being attached to a church. We might even tip God, giving some of our income, just like we give a tip at a restaurant. No, the question is, do you live as God, as if God is your God? Monday to Sunday, wherever you are, do you live under God? That's his first rookie mistake. He lived as if there's no God. The second mistake he makes is he lived as if there's no eternity. He lived as if there's no eternity. Take a look at verse 19. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He was only interested in many years, 70, 80, 90 years. This is all there is. Death is the end. But that night... He stepped into eternity. God said to him, you fall this very night. Your life will be demanded from you. One out of one people die. It's one of the few things that we all have in common. We will all die. There's a book just been published called, Should We Stay or Should We Go? It's by a man called Lionel Shriver. And the subject isn't, in fact, Brexit. It's how long a person should choose to live. Listen to this from a review of the book. We all live in such absurd denial of our own mortality that only 4% of Brits have an end-of-life plan. But Shriver is a writer who wants us to accept that death and decline can outmaneuver our best-laid plans. Jesus wants us to know the same. Perhaps we don't think much of death because we think that death is way off, Presumably, so did this man, like it did for him. Death for us could come this very night. And a sudden death isn't as unusual as you might think. In um, pre- or non-COVID time, on average, this is astonishing, one businessman a day dies of a heart attack on their way to the city of London. Maybe you know someone who's died suddenly, there's the lad in our tutor group at Sixth Form College. We turned up uh, one day to the news that he died in a motorbike accident. Or well, my brother-in-law, this time last year. He died within 48 hours of a mountaineering accident. Death comes to us all. Sometimes it comes suddenly. So what comes next? There's a story of a girl visiting her grandparents, and they ask her about her plans. And she says, well, I'm studying half of my GCSEs. And they say, oh, what then? She says, "Well, then, I hope I'll uh, do uh, A levels." Oh, yeah. What then? Well, maybe um, you know the hope will be to go on and, and and study at university, study medicine, actually. Oh, yeah. What then? Well, I'd love to get a, a job in a, in a hospital. Oh, yeah. What then? Uh, well, um, uh, maybe I'll get a, a house and a, and, a, and a car. Oh, yeah. What, what then? Well, I'd, I'd actually like—I'd love to become a top surgeon. Oh, yeah. What then? Well, if there's time, maybe, um, I don't know, like a um, husband and, and, and children. I, what then? Well, I guess there's maybe a better house and another car. Well, what then? Well, I guess I, I maybe retire early and get to travel at uh, some point. Yeah, what then? Oh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll retire. Yeah, what, what then? Well, I guess I'll die. Oh, yeah. And what then? Never thought about it. So many of us are the same. But death is the doorway to eternity. The years of this life, compared to the years of eternity, are like one drop of rain compared to an ocean. What happens when we die will be for a very long time. Are you conscious? Unlike the man in Jesus' story, that an eternity stretches out after you die. And what then? Well, this brings us to the man's third schoolboy era. He lived as if there's no judgment. He lived as if there's no judgment. You know what I mean by judgment, don't you? You've seen the X Factor, you've seen the apprentice, you're fired. Well, the man lived as if there's no judgment from God. But he was wrong. Verse 20 again. God said to him, you fool. This is God's judgment, isn't it? On this man and his life. You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? And Jesus wraps up. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves. But is not rich towards God. Friends, like a library book. Our lives are on loan. You might get a note saying that the library needs the book back. At any moment, God could call in the loan on our lives. And when he does, we will all go to stand before God the judge. Of course, on the apprentice, do well in any task, and you stay on, do badly, and you're fired. But how will God judge us? How will, for that matter, God judge Alan Sugar? It seems have rather big barns? Who will God call a fool? And who will he receive as a friend? Who will go to heaven? Who will go to hell? Well, again, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. There is not a person on earth who should not be rich towards God. Let's say that again. There is not a person on earth who should not be rich towards God. He is great. He is generous. He is kind. He is powerful. He is awesome. God made every person on the planet, everyone on earth, should be rich towards God. And that means everyone on earth should be, what does that mean, be rich towards God? It means using our energy and our time and, yes, our possessions and our property And our money to bring God glory. And yet so many people store up things for themselves. But are not rich towards God. So many we know. May even be us. And Jesus says to people like that. You fools. You fools. There there is a God. You're made by him but you've ignored him. You fools. There is an eternity And just think about this. When we die, everything people are greedy for other than God. iPhones and trainers and computer games and fine wine and property and grades and popularity and status. When we die, all of these things will go up like dust. Do you know what it means to be a failure? Failure is being successful at the things that don't matter. Failure is being successful at the things that don't matter. A life spent greedy for the things that everyone around us is greedy for... Is a waste of a life. It's a waste of time. But more than that, it's the life of someone God will reject. Because thirdly, there is a judgment. Some people think that death is the end. Others that death is a bit like what happens when a tooth comes out and you leave it for the tooth fairy. You know, it hurts, it's not all that nice, but something good will come in the morning. But no, if someone does not live rich towards God, they will go to meet Him. And God will keep them on the trajectory that they have chosen. An eternity in hell without him. Now I know this is not the kind of stuff that makes us feel good. Maybe you'd rather Jesus just shut up. But just as we're told about those red flags for our health, when they come, you know, we quick. And they're, and they're for our good. We're told about them for our good. And just as well, did anyone else catch Blue Peter yesterday morning? No? Well, um, I did for the first time in a good number of years. Uh, They're at the beach, and you probably know this already, but uh, we were told that um, lifeguards put out the red flags to to show us where not to swim because the water's dangerous. That's why they do it. That's why the red flag is put out. So Jesus' warning comes for our good. Jesus doesn't want the verdict on our lives to be, what a fool you've been. Do you know how much he doesn't want that for us? He died so that it might not happen. That's how much. And in fact, it is that death for us, despite us, that shows us so supremely how supremely God is worthy of us being rich towards him. You see, as Jesus tells a story, he's on a journey. I'm sure you know this already. We read this a little bit earlier important verse chapter 9 verse 51 as the time approached for jesus to be taken up to heaven he resolutely set out for jerusalem and jerusalem is where he will die on a cross for people who have not been rich towards god through that death he takes the judgment you and i deserve from the almighty god so that we needn't fear it when we die and instead he makes us god's dearly loved children All for our good and his glory. And doesn't that, doesn't that all the more give us the desire to be rich towards him, to our God? Now we all need this warning. The wonderful truth is that some of you are basically rich towards God. By and large, by and large, you seek to live for God Monday to Sunday. Wherever you are, you make decisions based on God's word for his glory. Your hope's for the rest of the summer and and into the new term ahead. Your hope is to be rich towards God. If that's you, do you ever wonder if you're foolish to, to live like that? You're not. You will often be made to feel like you're a fool, but you're not. You live rich towards God. You can be therefore very confident that God's verdict on you isn't "you fool," but "but my friend." So for you, the message is be encouraged and keep going, keep living rich towards God. The temptations to do otherwise will keep coming, thick and fast. They're constant, they're fierce. The temptation to not live rich for God, because you know the world around us and inside us is not saying, "No, live rich towards God." No, 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 no. But, but you know, you've got to keep going. People will keep saying you're a fool unless you mainly look after number one, but you're not. Jim Elliot knew a thing or two about giving. He gave his life in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his famous quote is this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. But, and as we end, what about someone not living rich towards God this is you or if this is someone we know this is what they need it isn't enough to go through the christian motions tip our hat to god if you're not living rich towards god urgent evasive action is needed it's a red flag please this very evening say sorry to god for your foolish living thank him that that jesus took your judgment so you can escape it when you die Go to be with him and commit to living rich towards God and then get on with it. Get on and live rich towards God. And when you do that, you can be certain that God accepts you as a friend now and when you die, when you step into eternity. And that, that is the only definition of success that makes any sense. I don't know where you're at. I'm not going to pray on your behalf right now. Let's take a couple of minutes to bow our heads, close our eyes, and respond in prayer privately.